This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. A, 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 a Giants podcast for Giants fans. By Giants fans. It's Sean Morash and Paul Dotino. Down the sideline, into the end zone. Touchdown, Giants! From the offseason, through the wins and the losses, it's time to take one, one, one Giant Giants steps. All right, it's one giant step. Sean Morris, Paul Dottino. Again, you can download us anywhere. Podcasts are available and free on the Odyssey app. Boy, this is becoming old news here. A little victory Monday. Giants win a game. You come out here, you have a little conversation with Paul Dottino. And away we go, Paul. Another unbelievable giant step for this team as they take down the Baltimore Ravens. They have now beaten the last three NFL MVPs combined in two straight games. They have taken down, you know, the two one seeds in each of the conference this year. This giant football team is alive, seeing the videos of the fans walking out of the stadium, chant, let's go Giants. What a freaking time to be alive in Giants world here in mid-October. You know, Sean, somebody messaged me earlier today and they said five and one. Boy, this is really, really fun. And I said, hey, just remember something. It's not just five and one. They're sprinkling extra oregano and extra cheese on the pizza because oh, they're yeah. coming from behind to win these games. This is not your standard five and one. We're just, you know, taking care of people. No, this is a team that's coming back and winning games in the fourth quarter. Oh. I, 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 I can't even begin to tell you how that cheese tastes right now. And, and Paul, again, and this is this is crazy, but it's just like practice makes perfect. Practice makes perfect with our eyes. The Giants struggle at times in the first quarter. Yesterday was filled with a lot of drop passes offensively, but defensively never letting Baltimore really run away with the game, despite Kenyon Drake having the game of his life. Hate the Drake. 
But it, throughout that game, as they're, you know, you know, eventually you, you can run out of time. I kept saying Giants are, were used second half team, second half team. They've kept this close. Second half is when they will find their strike. They really waited until the last few minutes of the fourth quarter to make those big plays. But their ability to close on both sides of the ball for for the defense to get that big turnover. And how about a hat tip to Paul, who was all over Julian Love getting the first interception of the Giants season. And boy, what a time to have a pass rusher like Kayvon Thibodeau, who finally gets his first sack. But that's the thing the Giants have lacked, right? A pass rusher they go after and close games like that. Uh, and, of course, to have a running back like Saquon Barkley churn out yards, go down instead of scoring. This could have been a 30-point game for the Giant offense. I mean, they are they are checking all the boxes of being, you know, playing smart enough football to not let a game get away from them, but have all the elements on both sides of the ball to close a game. And that is always going to be a recipe for success in the NFL. I don't want to leave Leonard Williams out of there right. with the fumble recovery, too. I mean, it was so great to see the big cat back in the lineup. Even though the Giants had a number of poor run fits in the run game, uh, a number of times I thought Crowder and even Jalen Smith got uh, got stacked up on run fits yeah. and allowed Drake to break through. And Kenya Drake is a quality back. Let me, let, don't make any mistake about that, Sean. He's a solid yeah, sure. NFL back, but, but there's no doubt. Well, the Giants allowed him to do more than he should have. Yeah, and Paul, look, any Giant fan, if you told me before the game that J.K. Dobbins would be, forget a pitch count, you basically didn't see him at all in the second half, we all would have signed for that in facing Kenyon Drake. But, yeah, I, Paul, you and I watch enough Giants football the last few years. When a running back like that goes off for as many yards and chunk plays as he has and combine that with tight ends seemingly wide open all over the middle of the field, catching first down at the first down, those are like two huge elements in every giant loss we've seen for the last five years. So the idea that Mark Andrews is catching these passes, Kenyon Drake is running wild while their main running back is banged up. To have those plays happen and not really give up touchdowns, and as a result, you end up coming back and win a game, uh, it's every win the Giants have had in many ways has been similar, but have almost been like slaying dragons of Giants losses of past. It's unbelievable. You know what's funny about this, Sean? And you've heard me talk about the quicksand of mediocrity and how you have to rank these teams by boxing divisions. Look, the Ravens and the Giants, in all honesty, are both in that very large division known as the middleweight division. I still don't yeah. put the Giants in the elite heavyweight contender division yet, okay? Maybe they'll get there at some point. I don't know. But they're still in that middleweight division, just like the Ravens. And if you go back and you're a Baltimore Ravens guy this morning, you're thinking about the 10 penalties. You're thinking about five unforced penalties on offense, which yeah. were pre-snap and absolutely ridiculous. You're thinking about three or four drop passes. And these are the kinds of things that will always separate the teams that are in the quicksand of mediocrity, the ones that will be up to their necks in quicksand, or the ones that are kind of kind of whittling their way out and crawling yeah. out by their belt loops. That's what happens on given Sundays with these kinds of teams. Now, I will say this. Wink Martindale did a phenomenal job of doing pre-snap shifting of his defensive line. I don't know if they talked about it on television, but the Giants no. had rarely done that this year. And they busted it out this game to give the Ravens offensive line and Lamar Jackson mental fits 
And that's part of the reason you saw five unforced offensive penalties by the Ravens. Yeah. They were getting confused and jammed up by some of the stuff that Wink was showing them on the field. And we said this going into the weekend on the last pod, Wink Martindale's defenses, while a lot of them, you know, obviously come from the same scheme, all these game plans have been so different. And that was a change in this game. plan. And you want to talk about those penalties the Ravens took and the idea of, hey, Giants winning this game of penalties in the chess match. How about the one that wasn't called? Unbelievable at the Ravens score. I'm sorry, that was way past the half a tick for a delay of game. Something that Dable went nuts about on the sideline. It should have. Anybody on TV could see it. It was like a full two Mississippis after Paul. Uh, not to go old school and you know talk about the schoolyard. But think about all those unforced errors you're talking about on the Ravens. The idea that they got away with that. On, on basically one of their their scoring plays here, that yeah. was another thing that should have been called. This game could have been much different even without that score as well. Now, you know what's interesting? Again, you talk about the little things that got no, unnoticed by the time the game was over. Well, how about the Drake touchdown run where the Giants only had 10 guys on the field, which yeah. Dayball was furious about and didn't want to get into it, but said, okay, that's on me. There was a communication issue when they only had 10 guys on the field. Yet here's the funny part, right? On the play before, when Drake catches the eight-yard uh, flat pass along the left sideline, he goes out of bounds before the sticks. Right. It should have been fourth and about a half a I yard. Yep. Maybe even fourth and one. But the officials incorrectly spot the ball, give them the first down at the 30. The Ravens huddle up. They get up to the line real quick. They snap the ball with the Giants only having 10, and they get a touchdown. I don't know. Would the Ravens have gone for fourth and, and, and half a yard there? Might have. Probably. Probably. Would they have made it? Yeah, probably. Would they have finished off the drive with a touchdown? Maybe not. Because the right. Giants' red zone defense is really, really good. So these are the kinds of things that happen when you peel back all the layers of the onion and get to the core. These are the kinds of things that make the National Football League the greatest game in the world. Yeah, and we're, and look, we still have plenty to get to here throughout the pod. Offensively, a couple guys and special teams, which I know Paul loves. We will get to that as well. Defensively, though, Paul, to continue that conversation, you know, there's a common theme or a common, you know, something that's been talked about with pressure on defenses. You know, obviously we know pressure burst pipes. But the idea, hey, sacks could be overrated, get the pressures. You saw an example where sacks are not overrated. And it's not just, I'm not talking about the cave on play, knocking the Ravens out of field goal range in the first half early. In, and now it's slipping my mind. Was that Dex or was that Zimenez? I forget who had that sack on that play, but it doesn't matter. The point is that was such a huge sack to take three off the board, showing those exotic looks to Lamar Jackson was unbelievable. That play saved points. And then also Dane Belton with the giants have done so well all year. Get your hands up in the passing lanes. Deflex that pass that Andrews drops. Could have been a pick by Fabian Moreau. I'm not going to kill him for it. It was diving. It would have been acrobatic. But that saved the touchdown as well. Two plays that took 10 points off the board. That sack knocking him out of field goal range. And Dane Belton getting his hands up as the Giants have done all year long. The sack by Dexter Lawrence you're referring to with just under a minute left in the first half. And, you know, again, you talk about points being taken off the board. I'm not sure what Harbaugh was thinking when the Ravens had an opportunity earlier in the game on their their first drive. Uh, they get to the Giants' 42-yard line, and on 4th and 14, they punt. Well, that's a 59, maybe 60-yard field yeah. goal for Justin Tucker. Now, uh, do I need to remind you that this guy in his career 
has hit from 75% accuracy over 50 yards. Right. But that was right. That was after his first miss, though, Paul. No, no. This is before his miss. This Are is on the sure? first drive of the game. Okay, wow. All right. For first drive reason, of the game. Wow, okay. They got a shot to try a 59-yard field goal. And instead, they punt the ball. Then on their next drive, his 56-yarder hits the left upright. Now, I don't know. What, what are the chances that he misses two 50-yarders to begin the right. game? He probably makes one of them, right? You would think. And I wasn't down there. Did you notice anything pregame? Was Tucker not in range windier on the field? Something like the that? Field, uh, it was The field conditions were perfect. It seemed like a Absolutely perfect weather day. Absolutely perfect, which is why I was shocked they didn't go for Paul, the 59-yarder. Paul, I'll say this. Maybe I'm nuts, and maybe I'm feeling my oats as a Giant fan right now. Look, I mean, these other teams now are watching the Giants film. You give the Giants good field position with Saquon Barkley. Maybe that's more of a scare now than it would have been in past years where you're a little more concerned. If I miss this field goal, do I want to give Saquon Barkley the ball here around midfield? I mean, maybe the way the Giants are starting to play offensively could start factoring into some of these coaching decisions with other teams. I would actually, in my opinion, I think it's the reverse. I think they're still saying the Giants are more of a ground plotted attack. They're they're controlling things by trying to be conservative, and they're not putting Jones in a lot of passing situations. Play the field position game. Punt it. Okay. Stick them down inside the 20 if I can, and let them try to grind their way down the field because they probably can't do it. Look, the, we talked about this on our preview pod. This game was supposed to be a slugfest, a grinded-out affair, where the team that scored 20 to 23 points would probably win, Right. This right. was going to be a game where the Giants' heavy ground game would actually play into the Ravens' hands because they don't want to play a track meet game. They don't want to play a pass-happy right. game. Especially without they, Bateman. Right. Right. They wanted to play this game their way, and the Giants' strengths were going to allow the Ravens to play it their way. And on, def on defense, Paul, you're right. With Kayvon Thibodeau, seeing how he's come along, and this is a game of rookies, and we, I mentioned Belton. We'll talk about the guys on the offensive side. This rookie class every week is getting better and better. Now Kayvon Thibodeau gets a sack, and, and an emotional Kayvon Thibodeau post game. You see the pressures coming. Man, you start to lick your chops and assume that he's going to keep getting better week in and week out. You finally got Leonard Williams back. This defense, if Ojolari can finally get over these injuries here this year and get back, I mean, could you imagine what this defensive front now begins to look like in getting after the quarterback with Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, Aziz Ojolari, and Kayvon Thibodeau? That is how you win games late, Tiger. Those guys getting after the quarterback late, the Giants haven't had that in years, Paul. You know what's interesting? Go back and look at the uh, final play, the forced fumble by Thibodeau. Did you see who was part of that pressure package? Come on, Fox. Yes. Dave Tollefson now. He's the new Dave Tollefson. That's the way we'll look at Tomon I'm Fox. just saying now, all of a sudden – Wink Martindale, with his schematics and with his player substitutions, is creating pressure with all kinds of looks and all kinds of player deployment that I don't think a lot of people may have imagined a month or so ago. Certainly not, and just incredible. I mean, game balls all around. It was cool to see Brian Dable after the game go right to Wink Martindale, pointing to him as they were walking off the field. Just unbelievable, you know, the, the enthusiasm as of the coaching staff. Now, Paul, before we get to the offense, we'll take our time because we do this better than most Giants podcasts here on the special teams. couple things of note. Gary Brightwell's big kick return. Unbelievable. Giants needed that. It was just at the right time. 
give Gary Brightwell, obviously, a badge of honor. And you mentioned Justin Tucker. Boy, the idea that the Giants are not the team missing field goals, and they really haven't with Graham Gano. And you're no. facing a kicker, a Hall of Fame kicker, and Justin Tucker on the other side. That, to me, that doink, act of God, who knows, perfect clear day. Tucker never misses that ball. The bottom line is this. If there was ever a sign that things are truly different about New York Giants football, it is what has now happened in the Titan game with that kick missed at the end of regulation and Justin Tucker early in this game missing a 50-plus yard field goal. We have been through seasons where Jake Elliott has kicked it from the parking lot, where Graham Gano has crushed us with a 60-yarder. If Justin Tucker is doinking 50-plus yarders versus the Giants, there's something karmically good about Giants football with the special teams right now, Paul. Yeah, and I'm going to throw another bouquet out to somebody else. How about Nick McLeod who forced two fair catches? Yeah, oh, they were in their face all day long on those punts. Number 44, they pick him up off the Bills scrap heap, uh, you know, about a month or so ago. And nobody's even thinking about Nick McLeod, right? And last week he makes a play, a couple of plays in the secondary. And now yesterday, all right, well, we got some of our guys back, whatever. You're going to just play special teams. Okay, fine. So I'll force two fair catches by getting right in the guy's nose. <laughs> it's, it, it's unbelievable. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, and my worst fear didn't come true, as our producer Adam points out. The Scottish Hammer yesterday, hey, no problems coming back after his visa issue. Good sleep. He was booming punts with that hang time. Oh, man, that was a good moment. All right, now offensively, Paul. Obviously, you were all over Saquon and how um, you know how effective he would be with the shoulder. 
that's a gutsy performance. I mean, clearly the shoulder was bothering yeah. him, especially when he goes down there. He doesn't have it really going at all in the first half, but again, just churns his legs, and he's just a different player this year. You want to talk about his rookie year and all the yards he had, that's fine. This is the best I've seen Saquon Barkley, top to bottom, catching passes, uh, pass blocking and standing in there. Saquon Barkley was unbelievable. Again, even if the 100 yards didn't have it, and again, he could have had two touchdowns selfishly, going down and discussing that with Dable. I mean, that's how the Browns lost to the Jets a few weeks ago, if you remember. Uh, I guess it was Hunt that didn't go down. Yeah. Just Saquon Barkley was everything the Giants could have asked for him being a closer on the offensive end, Paul. Don't forget the blitz pickups by both Barkley and Breedy yesterday, who had a couple of really important ones on key pass plays. Yeah, they, they were incredible. So Saquon is obviously Saquon. And Paul... Now getting another element of trying to get playmakers involved. It might have been a pitch count. It might have been working them in slowly. It was so evident how different this offense can look with Wondell Robinson. And I heard you on the pregame show on WFAN talking about Wondell Robinson and, and the Giants basically not showing everything they've even had in that offensive playbook yet. Right. Wondell, in, in a good way, reminded me a lot, especially on that touchdown, of a younger Sterling Shepard, too. The way he could just kind of bounce around, catch those passes, tough over the middle. Again, he dealt with uh, with a drop that might have been a little behind him. Giants had a couple of those throughout the day, or Daniel Jones's numbers would have been better. But yeah. it was so evident. The element that Wondell Robinson with speed, crossing patterns, everything can add to this giant offense. And already, boom, one full game for him, one touchdown. Let's go. Well, let's face it, in his cameo about a month or so ago, he didn't play very much, and so the Ravens had no film on him. They could have just looked back at his college tape, and that's all they really had. Right. He saw some in the preseason, but the truth of the matter is, he was going to be the guy coming out from behind the curtain. So the second that he was officially activated, 90 minutes before the game, it's like, okay, uh, there's going to be something unwrapped here today. It may not be a 100-yard performance, but there's going to be some key plays for this guy that the Ravens are going to kind of be caught off guard. And, I mean, let's not kid ourselves. On the touchdown pass, who is is near him? Who is near him? I didn't see anybody near him. Uh, My point. The the Ravens simply got lulled to sleep and forgot about him. They They had no idea what the Giants were going to schematically do with Wondell Robinson. And so the Giants didn't overuse him either. You know, he was on a snap count. I think he only played 15 snaps in the game, right? Right. Wasn't wasn't very much. But he was noticed every time he was out there, that's for sure. He was strategically placed. And, uh, again, this this is all part of unwrapping the chapters of the playbook. Sean, I'm going to tell you something. Again, I saw stuff during the summer, during during the, the spring. There's stuff in that playbook that still has dust on it. You really want to get excited. Wait till you see the rest of it. Don't get me half chubbed here, Paul. Don't get me half chubbed. (laughs) I'm looking forward to it, baby. All right. Also, on the wide receiver room, you see what Wanda Robinson does. He adds depth to that receiver room clearly, and it starts to not look like a stinking heaping pile. Felt bad for Marcus Johnson that he dropped that touchdown pass. Luckily, that still resulted in points. Great throw. It was. It's a great throw. Daniel Jones, too. Seeing seeing Darius Slayton back there, Darius Slayton's speed, and we've talked about this, while it didn't result in a ton of volume and catches and getting him near 100 yards, him getting held and tugged in the end zone, that pass interference is yep. such a huge play in the game. I saw there were a lot of Raven fans on social media complaining, how do you call that there? That was so far and above, you know, a pulling around, Darius Slayton got tugged. 
But that that happens when you're a receiver that, you know, needs to be feared a little bit by a defense. They got to play a little tougher. You got to have the speed to get away where you're going to get pulled. Darius Slayton, just simply his presence on the field caused that pass interference pull. It was so obvious. I mean, how could you not call it? I, I, I mean, I agree. You know, he played 45 snaps, which was the most of any Giants receiver yesterday. So it's quite clear that uh, what he did the previous week against Green Bay was rewarded. The Giants coaching staff said, as they have all along, Sean, they've been very truthful. You earn your snaps here. Well, he earned them against Green Bay and he earned them again yesterday. And if he continues to perform, why can't he be a bigger part of this offense going forward? No reason he can. No reason he can. And now you start to okay, you know, if they ever got anything out of freaking Tony or even Galladay, at this point, though, Slayton and Wandell, I start to take him as at least an adequate one-two punch for the Giants, and we'll see as they go through there. I mean, at least it's reputable. At least you step on the field, you feel like you have a shot at the yeah. wide receiver position. They'll, they'll need more than that, Sean, but that's I understand a good start. that, but, but Paul, we were, we were starting with David Sills and what else right now? Now we're starting to yeah. at least gain a little ground there. I understand it's not a finished product, but at least it's something to build on. Uh, also, offensively. And, and remember, Mark, Marcus Johnson's only been here a couple of weeks. Yeah, I know. Let, let's see if he can still give them something more. Yeah. And they also and brought Foster. Robert Foster back Foster. to the practice squad. Yeah, I Foster's know these guys are not household names. Fantasy football people aren't going to care, but they can give you something. And the tight end room. What can you say about rookie Daniel Bellinger? I mean, Gone are the days, and I, I don't want this to be an anti-Evan Ingram because it's almost not fair to them. They're different kinds of players. But how many of those drops used to drive you nuts and kill drives? Daniel Bellinger might not be streaking down the field like George Kittle for 40-yard seams, but when you throw it to him, boy, does he catch it. What a great throw and catch, pitch and catch between Jones and Bellinger. Uh, and Bellinger is accepting way more of the playbook now as well. And Bellinger's blocking has been superb at times. For a day three rookie, Paul, the Giants are getting all that and more out of Daniel Bellinger. He, you know, he, he's sneakily becoming one of the 10 most important players on the team at this point. See, now everybody sees why all summer I kept calling him Jake Ballard because yeah, that's yeah. who he is. He's Jake Ballard 2.0. And if you're the Giants with the kind of offense that you run, that's a very good thing. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. It, it just, it's unbelievable. I tell you too, Bellinger's working his way up the charts. That might be a jersey purchase. Santa might have to leave that under the tree for me at this point. <laughs> that might be the next jersey I'm wearing to MetLife Stadium. All right, so Paul, big picture here too. Uh, Daniel Jones. Passing stats where they threw the yards, was it a 300-yard game? No, it wasn't. Throws for 173, gets the two touchdowns, no picks. Has the fumble that's really, again, it's a throwaway at the end of the half, 19-27. Right. I think the stats from people not watching the games, maybe only watching a little NFL red zone, don't jump out at you, and you feel like, okay, he's being a game manager, and he is in many ways. But Daniel Jones in these fourth quarters is just so calm, cool, and collected. And it would have been very easy, by the way, for the Giants after getting that turnover down 2017 to settle for three, and they don't. They end up getting in the end zone. Forget Daniel Jones just making the throws at the right time because a lot of it still is running the ball as well. Uh, Daniel Jones wasn't much with his legs on Sunday either. Who knows? You know, ankles still healing up. But he is becoming a real field general late in these games. Five of five, right? Down the stretch when they really needed him. Uh, 10 of 14 for 93 yards in the second half. I will say this. 
all right? I give so much credit to Dable and Kafka because, as I said on the pregame show, little birdie had told me they were going to try to open it up much more in this game, and they did. They came out throwing the ball, Sean. They right, they were right. not the they typical were. giants of the past month. They, they came out throwing it a little bit more. Now, they weren't necessarily long bombs, but they were throwing it a little bit more. Well, let me give you a couple of numbers here because I think it's very significant, and it just goes to prove that old school is still successful school. I said to Mike Kafka the other day, and I put this up on my Twitter, and I said it on the postgame show yesterday. What Mike Kafka is doing is remixing old golden oldies from Elvis Presley, bringing the <laughs> 50s rock and roll, remixing it like they did with Boz in the movie, and bringing Elvis back to life again. Well, they're bringing old-school football back to life again with the Giants because they're relying on old-school principles of balance and running the ball and using two tight ends and using wishbone backfields and, and doing wheel routes and doing all the kinds of things that fancy video game football people don't usually do. But they're dressing the stuff up in different ways to bring these things back to life. Let me give you something here. They're down 13-10 in the third quarter, and they go on a 14-play, 59-yard field goal drive. Eight of those plays were running plays. Yeah. Now, this comes after the Giants had only run the ball nine times in the entire first half for 16 yards. But this coaching staff said, we're not going to get impatient. We're not going to start flinging the ball around the yard. We're not going to do that, even though the Ravens secondary is not supposed to be very good. No, no. We're going to stick to what our guys do well. And our guys are physical. We run the ball well. And when we have balance, we give Daniel Jones a better chance to make the clutch plays that he needs to make. So then on the next drive, they get the ball back. And they go 12 plays and 75 yards. Bellinger catches the eight-yard touchdown pass. Seven of the 12 plays were runs. Now, they only got 16 yards right. on the runs. But what they showed the Ravens are, we're going to stand up to you. We're going to do what we want to do. And even if we don't get yards on those plays, we're showing you we're not afraid to be balanced. Right. And we're right. going to keep you honest. And That's yeah. what I'm talking about. How about this? On those two drives combined, 15 runs and only 11 passes. Okay, this this to me is where coaching really shows up. No doubt. No doubt. I, Paul, it's just incredible. The coaching, I mean, right now, if you had to poll everybody, it almost feels unanimous that Brian Dable at this point would be coach of the year. And I'll leave you with this. The Giants aren't going to say this in the locker room. The Giants aren't going to talk about this. They are so focused day by day. But now this team has beaten the Titans, Packers, and, and Ravens. And we need to talk to it just from a fan's perspective here. They're 5-1, and one, Paul. Five and six football the rest of the way gets you to 10 wins. I, you don't have to say it, I'll say it. It borders on if they were to collapse from this point forward, it would feel like a disappointment if they don't get the 10 wins or aren't, you know, at least, if 10 wins doesn't get you in for whatever reason, I think the NFC it would. This team should be a 10 win football team now, Paul. Yeah, I, I do think that uh, you could start talking about that. And to be frank with you, Sean, I did look at the numbers. And now we got to say it, since 1990, teams that were 5-1 and one have made the playoffs 83% of the time. Something so else, if you want to tell me that, that you're starting to think that way, I can't stop you because yeah. it's, it's only logical. The mathematicians will yeah. tell you the numbers add up.
And they had some weird years under Coughlin where they started six and two and collapsed and didn't make the playoffs and all of that. And I understand that. And I understand the depth of the roster. And I understand injuries, right? Saquon goes down. That could change things. But look, call it like we see it. The Giants are beating teams that nobody thinks they should. So why should you not go in expecting, especially in this next run of games, to win games? Now, they're underdogs, according to Vegas here versus the Jaguars. That I don't understand, but I know the Giants don't care because they've embraced the underdog role. They've already won four games outright as underdogs. But this is just, it's been an incredible journey. And and too many seasons, Paul, too many seasons. The kids would be trick-or-treating on Halloween and the Giants season would be long gone. And you'd be watching college football, worrying about who you're drafting. And we have real, tangible, yeah. meaningful football. I can't wait to get the turkey knife out on Thanksgiving and beat the freaking Cowboys in a few weeks. Let's go. Well, think of it this way. Right. Think of it this way. Worst thing that can happen. Right. They go on a four game losing streak. They're five and five going to Dallas on Thanksgiving, knowing full well that that game is like the most monumental game on the schedule. They they guarantee you they've guaranteed you with this five and one start that you will be on the edge of your seat for every snap for at least another month, if not longer. Yeah, absolutely. And the NFL appreciates it, appreciates it. No matter what, Thanksgiving is now a relevant game. That's what 5-1 and one has done. Ratings and will that, be through the roof that yeah, day. Can't wait. Can't wait. Hey, but one step at a time, one game at a time, just as the Giants have done. The Jaguars up next, coached by Doug Peterson, who, by the way, Giant fans, you want to think about the playoffs. You want to think and taste about the playoffs. Remember the last time the Giants could have made the playoffs? It was Doug Peterson who sat his quarterback at the end of the first half, bringing in Nate Sudfeld. We were robbed of a playoff spot because of Doug Devisor Peterson. Now we get to go kick his ass on Sunday and tell him, now we don't need you sitting anybody. We're going to put you out the misery. Let's go, Giants. We're, uh, we're marching towards the playoffs. The Doug Peterson Revenge Bowl for us. Sean, you did yourself. I thought you'd wait till Thursday. Nope. Screw that. I'm firing up the boy. <laughs> I'm Peterson today. <laughs> I've had enough. I want Peterson's head on his spigot tonight. Let's go. <laughs> Let's win the game. All right. You can follow Paul on Twitter. At Giants WFAN. You can follow me at Mirage CBS. Thank you for taking another one giant step with us. <laughs>